Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into our Bible study, as always, and as always, we're going to have text messages. Okay, so talking about uh, flags, and they you know, called to ban certain flags here in Australia. Flags. Mm-hmm. The, only they, the only power they have is the power we give them, which is absolutely Ooh, yeah, true. 100%. It's just a piece of cloth. Mm-hmm. It is just a piece of cloth. That's all it is. Uh, at the same time, I will say, yeah, the only power that they have is the power to give them. But it's like that's that's the kind of point that people see a flag, absolutely. That and they they ascribe, you know, to that flag meaning. But that causes, I don't know. I think the point issues. here is that if there's a flag out there that offends me, mm-hmm. you know, say for instance the uh, the Nazi flag. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's like, well, it's only offending me because I allow it to offend me. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it, it's just like Nazism offends me. Mm-hmm. Piece of cloth doesn't. But but not like like but this this is my point is that flags do so much more than offend. They that are they also they are, yeah they communicate and empower and uh-huh. empower. Yes. And so I think that's like one of the big points of getting rid of this these flags is not just because it's offensive, but because it's empowering. To a bad thing, but then it's like, what do you define as, you know, a bad? And thing? how much do we limit free speech? You know, yeah. Um, and as, start, as soon as we start going down that path of limiting free speech, mm-hmm. we always go down that path when we want to limit the speech of those who we are opposed to. Yes. And the whole point of free speech, the whole point of freedom, is that people are able to say things that we object to and that we find abhorrent. And that's you know that's that's why I defend free speech. I don't defend free speech for myself. I defend it for those who say things that I find abhorrent, because that is where I need to defend it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, continuing on here. Imagine if people had listened to God about not eating pork. We are told it's only going to get much worse. You know, I was reading this text message and I was thinking about this, you know, if we weren't eating pork, like if we followed what the Bible said and nobody was eating pork, we could solve our feral pig problem here in Australia with swine flu. (laughs) Yeah, just... We could. This is like release the flu here in Australia. Watch all of the feral pigs die. They're all gone. They're done. They're so, well, okay, what's the big issue with feral pigs, Lyle? Because I know you, you, you're very informed on the you know the big issues with other species. I would love to know why are feral okay, so pigs feral pigs, so bad? Feral pigs um, create massive habitat destruction for native animals. Mm-hmm. They kill and eat a lot of native animals, and they spread disease amongst native animals. That's just a start. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just so, a start. That's just a start. But start with those. Those are big enough reasons right there <laughs> to get rid of feral pigs out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would also campaign for, well, farmers who are farming pigs to find something else to farm because pigs are not a good thing to eat. And there are many things to farm. There are many things to farm. Mm. Okay, so uh, let me see. We've got a few more What else here. are we doing? Okay, I've just got some more text messages to get uh-huh. through. Uh, this one right here. Okay, so we've got a long text message that came through about the vaccine. Yes. With lots of research and lots of statistics in it. I can't share it on Faith FM because I don't have the time during the breakfast show to validate all of the research and we can't be uh, sharing uh, incorrect research. But there was this uh, line here at the end that I thought, which was very relevant, people should have the right to take it if they want, but they should know the risks. Most deaths from COVID were people at or over the age of death. Uh, you know, the more rights 
are removed in relationship to the vaccine, the more you know. If the government, if the government wants as many people as possible to be vaccinated, the worst thing that they could possibly do is remove people's rights. Because as soon as you say you have to have something, nobody wants to have it. Yeah, well. And I think our government has actually been very, very wise in not going down that path here in Australia and not forcing people to have it because if they did start forcing people, a lot less people would actually take it. Mm. You know, I, I know for myself, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of not in a rush to go and get it. I'm not in a vulnerable population and I'm not working with a vulnerable population. So there's no pressure on me to go and get the vaccine. So I'm like, why would I? I'll get it next year, you know. Yeah. See if everybody turns into crocodile in the meantime. <laughs> and, you know, um, they can be all, all the guinea pigs and not me. And so there's a lot of people, I think, in, in my category. And uh, But if the government came along and said, you have to have this, I'd be mm. like, ooh. You know, then I would, yeah, then I would start to think twice. And so I think our government has actually uh, been very wise in not forcing people to do so. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Abortion, it's good to hear that there are still good politicians who will do right. I get a feeling that in the future it will be just about totally outlawed. Okay. Oh. Apart from emergencies. When church and state unite, religious people are in charge. This may very well happen. Mm. This is an interesting text message because he says, when church and state unite. Mm. Somebody's been reading their Bible. Mm. If you would, not, you would not say when, you would say if, unless you actually knew what the Bible says. The Bible says this will happen. But there's, like, there's a little bit there of like, oh, but... When church and state unites, who will be more influenced, the church or the state? Because then you could make the yeah. point that if the state is is all about, you know, you know, not, oh, I think, not I think, I think, but I think that you know, who knows? But it's a very, it's knows. a where, it's who a, knows how this is going to. It's play a very out well thought out point. Yeah, it is. I, I like the fact that they say when it happens because the Bible says it will happen. Yes, and the Bible says it will be a disaster when it happens. We need to mm-hmm. make that very, very clear. The Bible is very much against the union of church and state. Yes. Uh, after all, they have been rightly pushing for it for many years. Who knows what the future holds? Yep, good mm. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on the interview, it's great to hear good news stories. There should be more of them. Imagine a world that everyone would do that. A little bit of heaven on earth. Praise God. Mm. Yeah, praise God. Oh, one more here. A terrorist attack in the next 12 months. That reminds me of Dr. Uh, Ferrucci, who said the uh, COVID would hit America in 2020, um, three years before it happened. I haven't seen that, so I don't know. I, I, don't, do, I don't know what that is, yeah. but, you know. Came this, through, on the, this, came through this, on the text message. This we is we a, cannot this confirm is or deny statistic. everything that, that, that comes through on the text message. Yes. Yeah. This is an ASIO statistic, so it's like I, I would, you know, I would be inclined to believe it. So I guess, oh, man, who knows what the future holds. Eh? That's yeah, let's, let's hope and pray that it doesn't happen and hope mm. and pray that ASIO is able to thwart what does happen? I- You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I tend to think that ASIO is saying this because of the number that they have thwarted that we never hear about. Yeah, wow. Mm. You know, there's a whole untold story out there of terrorist attacks that have been thwarted that we just never hear about. Mm. It's a little bit worrying. Yeah. All right, where are we up to? Bible study time. Let's get into it. And today we're going to talk all about fame. Oh, okay. Is God in favour of fame or not? 
I don't know. I'm pretty famous. Okay. I'm a follower of God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so is fame a good thing or not? Um, Should we aspire to be famous? Well, firstly, I was joking. But you second, were joking. Yes, so, I, 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 I'm, I'm faith if I'm famous. <laughs> no, but uh, is fame something we should aspire for? Well, I guess I guess we're going to find out in a Bible study. Well, we'll see. We'll be talking about a person who was famous who I'm hazarding a guess is probably Abraham. Are we talking about Abraham? Well, interesting text just came through. What about their original flag? Isn't that about race and nationalism? All flags are about... About race and nationalism, yeah. And na- well, they're all about nationalism. Mm-hmm. They are all about nationalism. We're not against... No, nobody's against nationalism. No, nobody's mm-hmm. against being patriotic. Yeah. What we're against is radicalisation. Violence. Yeah. Violence and extremism and radicalisation. Mm. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be proud of who you are. Oh, Don't you love being an Australian, Lyle? I love being Man. an Australian. I love being a human being. I love being a child of God, and I'm proud to be all of those things. If I wasn't a Christian, if I was just a classic Australian bogan, I'd be one of those guys with a you know, Southern Cross and my calf or my forearm or something, I reckon. I'd just be a massive bogan with one of those. It'd be awesome. You already are a massive bogan. Awesome. <laughs> just, 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 just admit Come it. Come on, just Lyle, give me it. some credit. <laughs> just admit it. Uh, you're only missing the mullet. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. And, of course, we celebrate our Bogan culture here in Australia. Amen. It's great. I love Bogan. Where would we be without him? Yeah. All right. Well, famous people in the Bible. Famous people in the Bible. Is fame a good thing or a bad thing? We need to focus on this. We need to get back to our Bible study and we need to talk about it. Okay. All right. So we talk about fame. Uh, let's think of some famous. Name the first most biggest famous politician that comes to your mind right now. Oh, uh, uh, interestingly, Donald Trump. <laughs> Okay, so even we'll put, though he's not even a politician anymore. Yep. But, um, name the firstest, most biggest, uh, famous actor. Um, comes to your mind. Brad Pitt. Okay. BP. Uh, musician. Um, Justin Bieber. Okay. JB. Pastor. Um, Lyle Southwell. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, jo- jo- uh, what's that guy's name? Joel. Joel Osteen. Okay. Joel. Yep. Okay, so we look at these uh, people right here and the list that we've got. Joel Olstein, Donald Trump, uh, Brad Pitt, Justin Bieber. Would you put these people down as good role models for Christian living? Some people would. Mm-hmm. It's probably, you know, I think definitely one out of four of these people would be put down as a good role model by the majority of people. Two of them potentially, uh, you know, given Justin Bieber's recent, like, conversion and and promotion of his church and his faith and all these different things. Well, well, Donald Trump was a Presbyterian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we we look at these here and we might, might have a bit of a joke about it and all the rest, but when we look at fame in our world today, and we look at famous people, let me ask you this. If you follow these people, will they get you to heaven? No. No. They will lead you astray. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people are like, oh, no, you know, you said Joel Olstein will lead you astray. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I did say that. Mm-hmm. Because, and I'll tell you why I said that, there's only one person can get you to heaven. Amen. And you can only follow one person to get to heaven. Joel Olstein can't get you to heaven. Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber, Donald Trump, they can't get you to heaven. Brad Pitt can't get you to heaven. Lyle Southwell and Lawson Walters uh-huh, cannot uh-huh. get you to heaven. If you become a follower of us, we cannot get you to heaven. Mm-hmm. 
There's only one person that you can get to heaven. And fame is one of those things that in our world today, you know, that has, you know, we are all susceptible to it. And there are all people that we look up to. And all of those people will let us down. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And so because of that, as a Christian, I tend to be very leery of fame. Because fame exalts human beings, and human beings are all broken individuals. Mm. It's it's interesting. Like just just from another perspective to look at that, uh, I've heard it said before. It's it's a common observation that the purest of art and culture and all these things come outside of the realm of fame. Uh, you know, usually like you look at the artists who made art that then became famous after their death and they're usually known as the revolutionary, the visionaries, the guys who changed everything. You know, the famous artists during the period of Van Gogh, for example, they just drew pictures of the kings and queens and got paid big time for it. Whereas Van Gogh, who was a nothing nobody doing something, you know, he, for the sake of doing it because he wanted to do it for the, for the nobleness of his art, for example, um, ultimately became one of the most famous artists out. And will Van Gogh get you to heaven? No. no. <laughs> Definitely not. But but then the, the point goes further to, I think, Christ himself. You know, Christ was famous, you know, during his lifetime in such a small context. Like, you know, he doesn't see global fame like we see today. Um, he, saw, he saw fame that was so divided like in in terms of him himself he saw fame that was so divided people loved him people hated him and we see with his death that ultimately you know you know by the time that he died there are more people around who were willing to kill him more rather than exalt him uh but ultimately like i feel you know for christ he's the son of god so however yes. that play situation played out uh he would have stayed faithful but it just it seems as though to me uh yeah that the you know the pureness that Christ lived i think was aided and and helped uh and i think think exemplified in a context where you know there was no fame associated christ didn't do things to become famous um in fact yeah that's an interesting thing Christ didn't do things to become famous, but he was famous because of the things he did. Genesis 12, verse 2. Let's read it. Mm. Genesis 12 and verse 2. Is, is, is God in favor of fame or against fame? And verse 2. And the Bible says this in Genesis 12 and verse 2, if I can find it here. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. Yes. And in other translations, it says that God will give him a great name. Hmm. And I think this is where, this is where. In fact, let me just read this from the King James Version because I'm going to. I think your version is super dodgy there because it says, <laughs> "I will make you famous." All right, so let me read it to you from the KJV. It's a real Bible over here, rather than Lawson's dodginess. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's go to Genesis 12 and verse two, where the Bible says, "I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great." Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to argue that this translation sends an entirely different message mm-hmm. than what the NLT does. The NLT translation there, and, okay, I'm going to offend all the NLT readers out there, but um, may God bless you all. Um, but I'm just going to say that it just sends the entirely wrong message. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to argue this morning. There is a difference between God making your name great and making you famous. Mm-hmm. 
And we often miss the difference between those two in the Bible and in what the Bible teaches in our modern culture, which is focused around fame. We live for famous people. We follow famous people. Oh, the one I missed off here is a famous sportsman. I had a pastor, a poly, an actor, a musician, a sportsman. How could I miss that? Probably because I'm not as into sports as what Lawson. <laughs> I would say the, probably the well, the most followed sportsman on Instagram at the moment is Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay, he's the man. So yeah. Ronaldo, Ronaldo. All right. Um, and so we can we can you know talk about these guys. We can look up to them. We can and and we do. That's what human beings do in our culture today. It's all about fame. Mm. But I'm going to argue when Jesus says here, when God says to Abraham, "I'm going to make your name great." It's not about fame. It's about something very, very different from fame. And we're going to look at that in more detail as uh, we go through. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. I'm going to follow along here in my KJV this morning just to make sure we stay on the straight and narrow. Um, (laughs) Romans 4, verse 1 to 5. And I want you to think about this. While we're about to read these passages, in the Bible, what does name, what does a person's name signify? What does it symbolize? Mm. All right. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed and God counted to him uh, as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgave sinners. Okay, so what is it that God tells us that Abraham is known for here? His faith. His faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we talk about fame, we, we, we create all of these celebrities that we look up to for all kinds of human reasons. But when God counts greatness here and makes somebody's name great... He's focusing on their character, and that is something very different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's go to our Bible study and let's start talking about, uh, coming back to this issue of fame, Mm. and uh, talking about character. Yes. Because what God says when he says, I will make your name great, is God intending to just make Abraham famous? Now, is Abraham famous? Undoubtedly, Abraham is incredibly famous. Mm-hmm. He is the father of all of the Abrahamic religions, and mm-hmm. there, you know, your three big ones, of course, is Christianity, uh, Judaism, and Islam, and that's mm-hmm. what half of the world. Yeah. Uh, if you then uh, include the other Abrahamic religions, there's like I don't know, fifteen or seventeen different Abrahamic religions, Baha'i and so forth. I can't remember all of them. Most of them are fairly minor, but all of them you know, trace their heritage back to Abraham. And so in a very real way, Abraham has become famous. He is, well, largely a recognized name in most homes on the planet today. Mm -hmm. That's famous. But is this the issue when God comes to Abraham and says, God says, and God says to Abraham, I will make your name great. And we've got to remember that this covenant promise is passed on to us. Mm. So the promises that are given to Abraham are given to us as descendants of Abraham. And so when God comes to us and says, I will make your name great, can we be like, yes, I'm going to become famous, I'm going to become a celebrity because the covenant belongs to me? Mm. There is much more to this because in the Bible, uh, 
name is associated with character and what God was mostly saying and what God's emphasis was in saying, I will make your name great, is God is coming to Abraham as a part of the covenant and God is saying, I will make your character great. Mm. We can't make our own character great. Mm-hmm. Our own character is awful. It's the opposite of great. And Abraham's character was really awful. Yeah. He did some terrible things. I mean, he has an affair with the babysitter and expects that everything's going to be fine. Mm. Um, and expects, you know, her to be part of the, continue to be part of the household. I'm not the babysitter, but the servant girl. Yeah. Um, he, um, it's, the, it's the equivalent of that today. You know, multiple times. Did terrible things to his wife. Just terrible, yeah. terrible things to his wife. He lies. He laughs at God's face. God's lucky you're going to be the father of a, of a, uh, of a, um, you know, of, of, of multitudes of people. The Bible says one of the things we haven't actually covered in this is that when God is making this covenant with Abraham, Abraham laughs at God. Yeah, wow. And God's like, why are you laughing? And he's like, oh, I didn't laugh. Well, no, now you're lying. Don't lie. Can't be lying to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got, um, you know, this guy is a terrible character in many ways, but God says, I will make your character great. I will make your name great. And that promise belongs to you and I. And this is why when we go to Romans chapter 4 then, the Bible says, what shall we say then? Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to glory in, but not before God. But what says the Scriptures? Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. Yeah. The Bible focuses on here on Abraham's character. Mm. And God came to Abraham, who was trying to work out everything in his own strength. He was trying to solve God's problems in his own power. He had, ends up with Ishmael. He ends up with a just a terrible home life as a result of all of this. It's just a disaster. And God is, uh, and, and and God comes to him and is like, "No, this is this is not how this works. You will not solve your problems by works. You will solve them by faith and by grace." Okay, let's go over to James chapter two, verse twenty-one to twenty-four. James two, and. 21 to 24. James chapter 2, 21 to 24, the Bible says this. Do you, don't you remember that your ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Okay. All right. So Abraham's character right here. Does Abraham's character, when God changes Abraham's character and Abraham is converted, Mm -hmm. is he trusting in his works for salvation? No. No. Does he stop doing good works? No. Does he increase doing good works? Yes. Because that's what a converted person does. Yes. And this is where Abraham's name becomes great. This is where God makes Abraham's name great. It's because God makes Abraham's character great. Mm. And Abraham's character is made great through the process of conversion. All right, we're going to we're going to contrast this now. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4. Genesis 11 and verse 4. Let's look at, at a contrast. 
Genesis 11 and verse 4, the Bible says this. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Okay, so we've got uh, that name there, that that word there again, famous, don't we? Mm -hmm. So where does fame be given in the Bible? Where does the Bible first talk about fame? Yeah. In relationship to? Selfishness. Selfishness and a particular geographical location. Oh, yeah. Uh, Babel, Babylon. Babylon, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, And from here through to the end of the Bible, I mean, this is right at the first couple of chapters in the Bible. You've only hit just double digits in the Bible. And you've got a mention of Babylon. And you find that Babylon is now mentioned from here, from this point, right to the end of Scripture. Yes. Right the way through. And it is... From one end of the Bible to the other, Babylon is a symbol of opposition to God. Mm. It is a symbol of everything that is anti-God. Mm-hmm. And what did Babylon start off by trying to do? Become famous. Mm. So they wanted to be well known, but God wants us to have a good character. Mm. That's how God will make our name great. He will make our character great. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. So our question of the day is, is kind of a continuation question from one we did either this week or last week. How did Moses know which day was the seventh day? Because God told him. Uh In Exodus 16. Mm-hmm. So read Exodus 16, you got the answer. Actually, uh, God told him before that because in Exodus 5 and verse 5, the Bible says Pharaoh objects to Moses turning up. And this was Pharaoh's objection. He says, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you have made them rest from their labors. And the word rest there is Sabbath. In other words, you've made them keep a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. That's one another way that you could read that. Now, that could be interpreted a couple of different ways. Uh, but if you go to Leviticus 16, it gets super clear. And, of course, it's significant that, you know, this is long before the the, the the law is given from Mount Sinai. And the Bible says in Leviticus 16, in verse 3, the children of Israel said to them, uh, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we ate bread to the full. For you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So this is what happened, and we all know the story of manna. You come down a few more verses from there, and in verse 22 the Bible says it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much manna, two omers for one man. And all of the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said to them, This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and boil that which you will boil, and that which remains over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning, as Moses said, and it did not stink, neither was there any any worms in it. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. 
So what God did was, in the miracle of the manna, he actually performed like 6,342 miracles or whatever it was, I can't remember, um, while they were in the wilderness to demonstrate which day is the Sabbath day. Yeah, wow. There were more miracles involved in establishing which day is the Sabbath day than miracles involved in anything else Mm. by a ratio of about 6,000 to 1. So the Bible made it very, very clear to Moses uh, which day was the Sabbath day. And, of course, that's the same weekly Sabbath day that we keep today. That cycle has come down to us uh, unbroken. And, of course, we have the example of Jesus who kept the Sabbath day uh, in his day. And uh, there is... No record of any time in history where the Sabbath day has actually disappeared entirely from the planet. All right, let's listen to the friends. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.